Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this episode of Talking Points. I'm your host, Brian Kelly. And today we are talking to one of the OG travel bloggers. Don't believe me? Well, if you Google how to become a full-time travel blogger, his website is the number one search result, which tells you he's a legit source. Anyway, we've got Nomadic Matt, aka Matthew Kepnis, here with us today to discuss all things travel, the travel lifestyle, and something I'm not an expert at, budget travel. <laughs> Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I, I think... Uh... I think it'd be interesting watching you in a hostel. You know, I my first time in a hospital, first and last. Actually, no, I, I've stayed at hostels twice. When I was in college, we went to uh, Ireland right around St. Patrick's Day for spring break. We had found $250 airfare from Pittsburgh to Dublin. And we stayed at it. It was actually a decent hostel in Dublin. It was like a party hostel right near, uh, what's that? What's the neighborhood all, where all the bars Temple are? Temple Bar. Temple Bar. Um, my bad hostel experience was in Paris at the Peace and Love Hostel. Uh, I actually passed it recently when I was traveling through the air. I was like, oh my God, that's a blast from the past. And I had a very... uh, I've never stayed there. An an Eastern European... uh, uh, It was the three of us in this room. And uh, there was some language barriers and uh, some body odor barriers as well. (laughs) And and of course, needless to say, I did not pass... The shower did not pass the TPG shower test, I think. I had to contort myself, but yeah, I mean, they're small for me sometimes and I'm like half your size. So Matt, you've been in the travel game for a long time. We're going to get into your story and how you got, but do you still, you're successful. You run a great website, nomadicmat.com. Do you still stay in hostels? All the time. Uh, I, I stay at private rooms now. I'm not doing dorms, but I love hostels. You know, I just, I travel to meet people and if I'm not traveling for work, I like to be around other travelers. So I find a hostel with a private room and I stay there. And even if I am just there for a couple of days and I don't really get to interact with them as much as possible, I like the energy and the vibe and just kind of makes me feel a lot better than just being alone in a hotel room. So what what are the best ways to research hostels? Because there's obviously varying hostels, right? There's like Roach, just like there are hotels, there are crummy hotels and then awesome hostels. Like what are the tips I'm finding a really fun quality hostel. You know, I, I always look at uh, the reviews on Hostel World uh, because travelers tend to stay at a lot of hostels, so the average review is usually pretty accurate. Uh, I like hostels with um, that organize tours and activities. To me, that's a key component. You, know, you have a lot of hostels these days, like Generator, St. Christopher's, even um, Freeann, that are just sort of like hotels for backpackers mm-hmm. they have 400 rooms uh tour groups go in there they don't really organize activities and the hostel is all about the community and the atmosphere it creates mm-hmm. and so i i think it's important to find a hostel that is like we host lots of events we take you out we show you around you know we 
we get people to interact with each other. What? How much do hostels go for these days? Like, I guess it depends, obviously, where you're going. So let's just start with Europe. You're in Paris. Like, what is a, a decent, you know, explain to me how hostel pricing works, because frankly, it's been over a decade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, the the cheaper ones uh, are dirtier and, and <laughs> such. Um, are, bed, are bed bugs really a big deal with hostels? I mean, they are at fancy hotels as well, so I'm sure. But is, right. it, is it a real issue in the hostel community? It, it's less common than you think because uh, hostels are hyper aware of it. And so they're always cleaning beds and they're always uh, taking precautions against it. Obviously, the the crappier the hostel, the less they care. But it's such a, an acute issue that all the good hostels are really focused on minimizing that. And in the 12 years... Know, uh, what year are we in? 14 years of backpacking in hostels. Mm-hmm. I've only seen bed bugs once, and it was in a, a hostel in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in pricing, your average dorm in Europe is probably like 20 euros for mm-hmm. like something that's like 12 beds. And then the smaller you get, it can go up to 30, 35 euros, especially if it's a popular hostel in a, in a city. Like uh, one of my favorite hostels is the Flying Pig in Amsterdam. And now I just... It's like 35 euros a night to stay there. That's really expensive. Um, so expensive. <laughs> for a dorm room, yeah. A, host, uh, a private room is usually around 80 uh, to 100 euros, which at that price, it it's not, you can get a hotel or an Airbnb that's about the same thing. So usually I I stay there simply because I want the community. Yeah. It's less about the price and more just being now, around people. I think there's a stereotype about hostels it's young backpackers wild single do people do couples stay at hostels too like i've seen couples i've seen people that are my grandparents age i I, you see everybody in between just like there's a hotel for everybody there's a hostel for everybody yeah there are definitely party hostels that cater to the 18 year olds who just want us to get drunk but there are hostels for tour groups uh school groups you know people who just want to cycle Mm -hmm. families uh, so, you, you know, that's one of the things you look for in the reviews is what is the demographic of, of it? And most hostels will come out and, and say it in their like description, like, come here, just get drunk. And you're like, skip. Yeah. Tell me your, your wildest family friendly. This is a family friendly podcast. Uh, hostel, any like really crazy stories or super interesting? Uh, yeah, I got met? one. So, um, Kirsten and the, from the Blonde Bride and I were in Barcelona, and I made her stay at a hostel. <laughs> and um, it's I have I've never named the hostel, but it's a, a well-known party one. And uh, so we get a dorm room, and there's these Brazilian guys in there, and you know they're just getting drunk all the, all this time. And our last night there, I got woken up by this giant knock on the door, and nobody was answering. And so I finally woke up and answered it. And it's one of the Brazilian guys who was like locked up. you guys up. were in like a private room or? We were in a dorm room. Oh, so. A six bed dorm room. Um, I made her stay and in a dorm. did you lock the door at night? Well, they auto lock. You have. Oh, um, you have to have your key to get You have your key. Got it. Um, so he had forgotten his key. So I let him in and I go back to bed. He's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I noticed a smell. Oh, I'm like, no. what is this smell? <laughs> Why does it smell like shit? Oh. And I come to realize, oh, that's because there's shit on my hand. And then I turned on the light and I realized there's shit on the doorknob. Oh. The Brazilian guy had shit himself <gasps> in his bed, ran to the bathroom, 
tr- leaving a trail. Oh, must have wiped that himself because it was on the hand knob, and then locked himself out. And now I had been the unfortunate one to answer the door. The only other people it was me, Kirsten, uh, two girls, and the guy and his friend. So one of those, imagine the screams if one of the girls had opened the oh. thing. He looked at me and he's like, "It wasn't me." And I was like, "Who else could it be?" <laughs> it was so, Kirsten. Yeah. He, and, Just kidding, Kirsten. We love you. And you know, he's like, "No." I, just i was like the trail leads right to your bed so i go wash my hands you know i wash the doorknob i wash my hands twenty thousand times can you change rooms at this point or yeah i mean we were getting up in like two hours but when i got back to the dorm were you able to go back to bed um no (laughs) but when i got back to the dorm his bed was in the hallway and he had wiped up the floor but he was sleeping on a mattress and to this day i cannot figure out where that mattress came from because all the other dorms are locked. But he managed to find a new mattress. It wasn't my mattress. Something tells me this might have not have been his first time pulling this stuff. I don't know. <laughs> so when we wake up and I tell Kirsten this story, she's like, no way that happened. No way. And like, there's so no people trace. People didn't wake up from the smell in the room. He wiped it up pretty fast. Huh. But so all the, a lot of hostels now have curtains. Uh-huh. So I had grabbed the curtain with my like poop covered hand and there were like poop streaks. And I was like, oh, here, here's the proof. And she just was like, we have to get out of this hospital today. And, I, and we actually went to the W after. That after is quite that. an extreme. That W is pretty nice. Yeah. Well, you know, Matt, you were selling me on hostels up until that story. But uh, no, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm not a snob. Well, I mean, I'm a snob because... You know, I have to stay in nice hotels for work. But um, but I know I know a lot of friends who do hostels and it makes sense. Like, especially if you're going to go out and explore a city, like why waste so much money if you're on a limited budget on a bed when you can go out and spend it on experiencing life and everything. So I, t- I totally I'm not dissing. The and there's some really, world. really nice, like luxury hostels that are basically just B&Bs, mm-hmm. um, you know, modern fixings, you know great showers private bathrooms i mean uh basically is, is mama shelter like just one notch above a hostel is it like a it's a hotel right but it's kind of like a communal hotel like have you ever stayed at a mama shelter no i know that name yeah but... they're like cool and like i don't know istanbul they always have rooftops and community and it's like generally cheaper hotels kind of party vibe i always feel like it's like it could be like a up. yeah a cross between there's there's a lot like hostels have really gotten a lot nicer over the years as Mm-hmm. more millennials have traveled and sort of demanded better amenities a lot of like the dorms now if it's a new hostel they are basically like japanese pods like mm. you have like a curtain for privacy there's a light uh, a power outlet so like you're kind of enclosed off from people and let's talk about points do any hostel chains offer points like hotels do i wish if i could do anything to the hostel world it would to create like a hostel alliance for some of these big global yeah. chains and just create sort of loyalty programs. Well, you know, let's get into your, and I know we still have to talk about your whole background, but let's just say, so you yourself have created a hostel in Austin, is that? Yes, yes. So what made you, so let's tell it, how did you, tell us all about your, that venture and what you've learned. Uh, I joined it uh, with a friend of mine who owned a hostel in New York. And then when he moved to Austin, he wanted to have one there. And I was like, well, I, I want a hostel too. It seems like a cool experience. Um, so I was like, I won't let you start one without me. And so we went in on it together and, you know, it's been an interesting experience. Um, 
What's the name? HK Austin. HK Austin. Yeah, I mean, what does HK offer? Uh, it's a really small hostel. We only have like 16 beds. Okay. And so it's really, we host a lot of events going back to like building that community. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a bunch of hostels in town now, especially as the city has really expanded, um, that are really big hostels. You know, they have hundreds of beds and we just have 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really small. Like you're coming there for the community. Um, and we, we go out on the weekends and such. Um, it's in an old, do you com- live in the same building? Cause you live in Austin or you go back and forth. Yeah, I, I live full time in Austin yeah. now, uh, but I live a few streets away. Yeah. Both uh, my business partner and I are in. It would probably be pretty distance. hectic to also live on site as well. Yeah, we never want to do that. Um, it, it's interesting. I love the the experience. Um, I think if I were to ever do it again, uh, I would do a much bigger hostel. You really make money on the beds, mm-hmm. and um, I think I would want to do it um, more of a B and B where I like yeah. I lived on property and it was. Do you like the ma- like? So you, I'm sure you have a full time manager to, to do yeah. stuff. Do you like going in? Do you ever work the front desk or like? No, no. I usually just come for the just the, the entertainments. So yeah, it's a smart man. When it's time to do like host barbecues and uh, pub crawls, that's just yeah. pop up. For that's that. what you're good at. Yeah. Um, so Matt, not only do you have your own hostel, really popular website, uh, you're also uh, a best selling author. What else am I missing here? I mean, um, I have a conference, oh, TravelCon, which and wanna, a charity, and a charity. Okay, let's take it a step back first. So, tell us your story. How did you? You know, we have somewhat similar backgrounds in that you're corporate America. So, you were in corporate America and had this wild idea that you wanted to travel. Yeah. So, I worked at, in healthcare up in Boston after college, and uh, you know, you have vacation time, and as a responsible adult. Suddenly, as society told me I was, um, I had vacation time. And so I went on a tour to Costa Rica. Felt first time I ever really went traveling, especially by myself. The craziest I ever got was like a cruise around the Caribbean with my family. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up in Boston? Yep. And so I just fell in love with travel after, on that trip. I was like, this is amazing. You can do whatever you want. There's people around. I'm like the master of my day. There's so much possibility. You know why people love vacations. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went back, the following year I went to Thailand with a buddy, and that's where I met the backpacker. Right, mm-hmm. I never met backpackers before. And, and what I, year is this that you went to Thailand the first time? This is 2005. Oh. I actually went right after the tsunami, so yeah. that was a interesting experience. To um, so was tourism just off a cliff at that point, or was it starting to really come back? We had to. We were supposed to go on that side of the country, um, but we had to switch. But walking around, you know, Kosan Road, where all the mm-hmm. the backpackers are, you just saw signs of like missing, missing, missing. Uh, you know, large containers for donations for the Red Cross, which people just throwing money, and it was um, a, a really depressed period. Like every, you can tell, there was a weight around, on the country. People didn't really have as much. Weren't as excited about things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there I met all these travelers for the first time. And I just love the, the sense of like quitting your job and traveling the world. And by that time, I had known I wasn't going into healthcare. I was getting an MBA. Uh, wanted to go into marketing for like renewable energy companies. So I thought, all right, well, I'll, I'll go back. I'll quit my, the job I hate. Mm-hmm. Finish my degree and take a, one of these gap years all these kids yeah. are taking. 
And so in 2006, I went away for what was supposed to be 12 months, ended up staying away for 18, came back, was like, I want to go back traveling. Mm. Uh, screw this. And talk, w- us, talk us through your first month, because I know a lot of people listening, and people always fantasize, let me get out of here. Like, let me get, leave the grind of the day-to-day and just live in Thailand. Because how much, in 2020, you can live on Thailand for how much per day and, you know, on that minimal lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, you could... When I lived there, if I spent a 1000 bucks in a month, people were like, wow, you spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can live there pretty well for, like, 1500 bucks mm-hmm. i think if you wanted to have like a typical expat yeah. comfort so you lifestyle just sell every, i mean a lot of people so did you do that you sold everything I sold everything uh the car the computer so you had so you were like i'm gonna go away for 12 months and you had x amount of money in the bank yeah just, I, had, I saved uh, i used all my 401k i took extra shifts at work so i had saved 30 grand um between like three and a half years of work um Lots of 60-hour weeks because mm-hmm. um, I would just do overtime. Uh, and I had 20 for the trip and 10 for when I came back. And I went through all 30 because I stayed away <laughs> longer. Um, so it was like 30K in 18 months, basically. Yeah. And did you – I know a lot of people in the backpacking world work small jobs to help supplement. Did you do that or – I taught English for about eight months uh-huh. in, in Thailand. And so that gave me some extra money. Uh, but at the time – from the time I went away to the time I went to Australia, the Australian dollar really appreciated in value. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that budget went out the window because I had budgeted at a, one U.S. was a dollar thirty Australian. And then it became one to one. And so that really just like thousands of dollars of savings just went, mm-hmm. disappeared in that exchange rate. And it was a lot more expensive than I thought. Uh, so a lot of money went to that and, and partying in Europe, too. But wait, just tell me, like, I, I want to understand, like, the the day, the day of a backpacker. Like, talk me through, like, once you get into your groove in Bangkok, or, you know, or, or, or Koh Samoy, or, you know, what is a typical day of, like, a back? Because every day, you know, there's no such thing as a weekend, right? Yeah, every day is Saturday. Every day is Saturday. Uh, bring, bring me through your, what your typical day was like in that first year. Well, I'd wake up pretty hungover. At what um, time? All the, most 90% of the time. You know, if I was in, let's say... Were you really going out most nights of the week? Yeah. Backpacker lifestyle is a very alcohol-fueled lifestyle. Um, so let's say I was in Europe. You know, I, I'd get Florence, right, as an example. You wake up, you go sightsee, you get a free walking tour, you find cheap eats, um, cheap bottle of wine, meet other travelers and sit around in the park, maybe go see some museums. At night... You either find more cheap eats or cook. And then if the hostel was doing an activity, he'd probably go do that. Or you just get some booze and drink in the hostel and mm-hmm. maybe go out. Um, and then you'd repeat that. And then a couple of days later, <laughs> you'd pack up your bag. You'd say goodbye to your new friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd get in a train or a bus to your next city. And you'd do that all over again. How long would you normally stay in one city? It would vary uh, depending on how much I liked it. I really didn't like Milan, so I left after one night. I loved Barcelona, so I stayed there for a good week mm-hmm. on on that first trip. And then I really fell in love with Amsterdam, and I ended up staying there six weeks. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up living in Thailand. I loved it so much. Um, 
Whereas Vietnam, I didn't really have a great experience there that first time around. So I was only there a couple of weeks. Um, and then there are places, you know, you wish you could stay longer, but you know, you're going to keep mm-hmm. moving. And, you know, I think it's easy to romanticize the lifestyle, but what are the downsides? Like it must get lonely. Like, you know, you get really good at saying goodbye mm-hmm. because every, and this is one of the reasons it's such a party lifestyle is it's always somebody's first day and somebody's last day. So on the first day, everyone's like, I'm new. Let's go like explore. They're ex- excited. And on someone's last day, you're like, I'm really sorry. You have to go home. Let's go out and commiserate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get a lot of that. Um, but, you know, so you get get good at saying goodbye. Um, it's It's tough picking up every like three days and reinventing the wheel mm-hmm. you know you're in a new city now you soloed that, that whole first 18 months or did you have people join you uh none of my friends from home joined me uh but you would meet people and they're going your mm-hmm. same way and you know i ended up traveling with um these two british guys all around thailand for about a month mm-hmm. um do you still talk to them yeah yeah uh not as often you know it's been 15 years That's uh, crazy. i can only imagine what your facebook feed is like <laughs> like just from all these characters yeah. over the years and most of my facebook feed is just people i've met yeah um and so it's tough you know you land in a new city you now have to figure out how do i get to my you know in the in the land pre-google, pre-google maps, maps yeah how do i get to a hostel i don't even know if it's going to have a bed open yeah um how do I deal with the language? I have to make friends all over again. I have to figure out where to eat. I have to exchange the money um, to figure out laundry. Uh, and then three days later, four days later, you're probably doing it all over again. Have you ever had to spend a night on the street? No, but I've slept in the airports. Huh. Um, no, I've never had to spend a night on the street. So it's 2007 now. You come back after 18 months away. 2008. Eight. Um, when did you start blogging? Uh, April 2008 mm-hmm. is when I launched my website. I and started you build up the name again. Nomadic Matt. Well, it's pretty self-explanatory, but was there a whole like process in choosing a name? Well, being cheeky, I kind of wanted to do Matt Does the World because uh, <laughs> I, I just sort of liked that name. And then my friend talked me out of it because it was between Matt Does the World and <laughs> that has Nomadic some connotations Bat. to it. <laughs> yeah, right? So I like that sort of like, at this time, I was just like toying with websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, no, no, nomadic Matt has fewer connotations. And were you following other travel bloggers at that point? Like at that point in time, there were really only a handful of people out there. And I only found them when I started my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a Zanga. Do you remember the Zanga? Yeah, I do. I never had one, but I uh, remember. Yeah. So I had one of those like Zanga blogs and there were some people in MySpace uh, that I followed, but there were very few travel bloggers mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, I think when I, I found like, I had like 15 or so that I started like connecting with mm-hmm. back then. I'm very, very new. Yeah. Blogging as just in general was really new back then. Yeah. So 2008, Nomadic Matt launches. What Do you remember your first blog post? Yeah, it was um, how to find a around the world ticket. That brings us in, you know, on the backpacking lifestyle, obviously flights are probably your biggest expense, right? Yeah. So what, you know, and I know you're a points guy yourself. Um, what were you in the in the points game back then, or is it is it just all about budget airlines when you're in the hostel world backpacking? Back then, I I didn't really know about the points world. I mean, I, I had cashed in some city thank you points, 
for uh, my flight to Europe. So I I used that instead of cash. Didn't know about it. Well, they didn't have any transfer partners at the time. Mm. Um, but I mean, that was it. It wasn't really till I came home. Uh, and then I started reading blogs that I found like uh, the boarding area folks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, I should do this more. But it's mostly cheap flights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just finding the flight deals. It was easier at the time because 2008 was also the economic crash. Right. So you could find a lot of cheap flights. It's um, not dissimilar to where we are today. No. Nope. You're, you're actually one of our last visitors ever. Well, not ever. That's a little bleak. The last visitors in the TPG office, most of our employees today are empty as we struggle with the coronavirus spread throughout the city. Every time I look at my phone, there's a new development and yeah. airlines are you know, potentially even worse than after 9-11, how it's just about, it really hit demand. But so you start blogging in, in, in 08. When did you first realize, oh, wait, this is starting to take off and the community was building? I would say I I went in on this uh, as like a full-time gig in 2010. Mm-hmm. At that time, all I wanted to do was keep traveling. I had zero intention of making this in any career. Uh, I just wanted to freelance right to pay for my next hostel. You know, it was all about, I don't want to go back to corporate America. Uh, I don't want to be in an office. How long can I stretch this trip out? Mm-hmm. So I moved back to Thailand. I taught English. Where'd you live in Thailand? Bangkok. Um, and then I moved to Taiwan for a bit because... I have only ever flown through Taiwan. And I, everyone, every, all of my followers like, you have to go. Oh, it's it's great. Like so high up on my list. The food. I was just there a few weeks ago. It was really, really great. Um, beautiful country. You great find the Hello Kitty plane. Yeah. Uh, I flew China Airlines over, so no Hello Kitty plane, sadly. Um, but the A350. For those listening, there's an Eva Airlines has a has Hello Kitty planes with Hello Kitty on the livery and in in the flight. I haven't flown it, but putting it on top of my to do list. Yeah, well, make t- Taiwan the top of your to do list. So I lived there for a while, and um, during that time, I I kind of focused on the website, but I built a lot of Google specific sites like that were designed to to rank high in seo and get people to click on ads and because back then you could really manipulate the search results Mm -hmm. so i mean i had a website on how to grow corn never grown corn in my entire life (laughs) i just paid someone to do it to write these ads do you still remember some of your tips on how to grow corn (laughs) i know i mean i so you would just create any topic that hadn't already been indexed yeah and then just get the traffic and monetize it with google adsense i mean i knew guys making like 50k a month just on this stuff hmm. um you know i had one on uh training beagles um <laughs> pigs uh keeping your turtles alive i mean literally how long did anything. you keep them do you still have any random domains no anything? no i i had them up till about like 2011 yeah. and then training just, beagles yeah how to train your beagle <laughs> and back then you could have really keyword specific domains right so it would literally the domain would be how to train your beagle how to grow corn you know uh, and I find that so funny. Oh yeah. So I, I learned a lot about uh, online marketing through that time, uh, and then I, I moved back a bit to the Nomadic Map website as I, I took those lessons and, and wrote a lot of SEO stuff and started ranking more, and people started to find me. I was like, yeah, this is a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my my mentor at the time, these guys that were teaching me internet marketing were like why are you dealing with these like stupid sites you have a mm-hmm. uh, a website that people 
humans actually read want to want, yeah. about a subject you actually know, don't build this, build up that um, property. And so I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't really care about growing corn. Uh, I like travel. And so I went back to that and that was 2010. And uh, yeah, just focused on that and yeah. it just took off from there. And then so the site, so, you know, you were making money monetizing, you know, but throughout the years you've, you know, and then the book, when was your first book? Mm. I started writing eBooks in 2009, uh -huh. um, but my first published book was 2013, How to Travel the World on $50 a Day. And um, that's in the third edition right now. Amazing. And, and you've had uh, several other books since, right? What's your most recent book? It's called 10 Years a Nomad. Uh, it's about my 10 years backpacking between 2006 and when I decided to move to Texas in 2016. And so it just covers, uh, it covers the emotional journey of an around the world trip. You know, I think now with the stock market crashing, there's so many similarities I'm seeing to 08 when uh, I was working at Morgan Stanley, which was a pretty depressing time. And I started blogging in 2010 and quit in 2011. And, you know, uh, what would you say to someone today who's like, you know what, I've had it. Like, I want to take a gap year. Or is it as easy as it was when you did it, you know, uh, tw 13 years ago? I mean, I think it's the easiest time to travel. In fact, I think it's in some ways too easy because you go into hostels and everyone's on their phone and they're watching their Netflix. And you're like, you know, these kids don't know, <laughs> you know, I used to stay in hostels that had no Wi-Fi or computers and you know you no smartphones and you'd walk from hostel to hostel do you have a room uh I do, think, you, do you look back on those as the good old days for me those are the good old yeah. days but if you talk to someone who traveled before me yeah. they'll tell me I had yeah. it really easy yeah. and they'll look back you know we all look back on the good yeah. old days uh but I think given the rise of <clears throat> points uh budget airlines I mean hmm. you can take Air Asia to Hawaii now, uh, given the the whole growth of the sharing economy mm -hmm. uh, and the, just the sheer volume of information mm -hmm. you can find on the internet, as well as all the apps and the you know, Google Maps and such, it's really easy to just go find information, uh, find ways to save money, and, and get cheap flights and accommodation. And you know, now like I'm in Paris, I don't have a lot of money. What can I do for free? Mm -hmm. You you Google that, a hundred thousand websites will tell you all the yeah. free things to do in my So much information. Yeah. Now one of the you know there's a ton of other travel bloggers and people in the travel space, and you you are a true leader in the space. And what two years ago, three years ago, you launched TravelCon. Tell us a little bit about why you did that and what it is. So TravelCon is a, a media conference that sort of like professional development for media in the travel industry. And I mean that like whether they're a blogger or a journalist or a podcaster or a photographer, I wanted something that was similar to how doctors and lawyers and nurses and teachers all have like professional development. They go somewhere, they learn how to be better in their career, maybe get a shiny certificate. Um, we don't really have that in, in the travel space. There's a lot of media conferences, but none that's like education, right? Where it's like, okay, you know, you're the boss, right? You send your journalists to go to these writing workshops so they can develop their writing skills and, you know, it counts as like continuing education or whatever. Um, we don't really have that 
And so I wanted something that really focused on sort of the business of travel that taught people practical skills to advance their career, not just how to get like free press trips and, mm-hmm. you know, get drunk and, you know, start a WordPress Kind of like what T-Bex, is T-Bex still a thing? T-Bex is still a thing. Um, they are in also Louisiana this year. Um, you know, they've been around for a while and I think, you know, Would one you say, of their- I guess T-Bex is a competitor? I think there's room for everybody. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that I always feel they missed the boat on and part of the reason why I created TravelCon was they didn't really start to appeal to people who had been in it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So people stopped coming back. And, and that's really what I wanted from TravelCon was something to that would appeal to me, you, you know, Scott Mayer. You, you have a really you know? impressive list of people that go. Yeah. I, yeah. And I also wanted to bring it's people. It's a fun party too, it looks it, like. Yeah, it is. And I also wanted to bring in people outside of the travel space, you know, so we're not just learning from each other. We're learning from experts in other industries Mm -hmm. who could impart wisdom that we can apply into the Mm -hmm. travel space. You know what I love? I love actually seeing from your last travel con in Boston, which I wasn't able to go to, but I followed uh, voraciously on social media is like the diversity, too, that you had on stage. I want to commend you for that. Like, there's so many diverse voices in travel. um, And uh, I just love that that's obviously important to you and, and the conference and make a very conscious effort that, you know, every time I look at the speaker list, mm-hmm. if it looks a little too one way to mm-hmm. like go diversify yeah. it, you know, Cause that's I, what travel is. I mean, that travel is international. It's, you know, it's, there's yeah. no such thing as a travel. There's no one travel blogger type. Speaking of, I mean, I know you've got a lot of friends in the industry. Who do you think in 2020 is creating quality travel blogging, you know, content, you know, not just blogging, obviously now there's so many different channels, but, you know, for people listening who want to like follow some of the more indie, you know, writers who are really rising and investing in their content. Um, you know, someone who's not like, who's been around for a while, but I really like is Kristen Addis, Be My Travel Muse. I think she creates a lot of really awesome off the beaten path, um, solo female travel content. Uh, Alex in Wonderland is also great. Um, I think, uh, someone I, I really like, um, on Instagram, I follow a lot is Renee Roaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like her feed a lot. Um, Wandering Earl, who's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also really just still backpacking to offbeat destinations. Mm-hmm. I um, like Gloria Atanmo glow graphics, yeah. like her, her stuff. I met her in Greece years ago and we had a fun night out, but just like the inspirational stuff and she's living her life and she's like, you know, I just love seeing the hustle. Like yeah. these are all entrepreneurs finding their own niche, speaking to an audience. You don't need to have 5 million Instagram followers to have an impact, you know? And I think like across the industry, there's just a lot of, um, glow is great. You know, Onika is great. Onika's amazing. Uh, one, someone I like that's coming up is, uh, Hey Kiara. Hmm. C-I-A-R-A. I'll probably butcher mm-hmm. that name. Uh, but she's a speaker this year at TravelCon. Oh, um, you know, so female travel, hustling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and um, women of color. So, like, really, sh- you know, yeah. showcasing that, like, it's not just, like, a white industry. Yeah. Or, you know, I think too many of, like, the OGs are, yeah. you know, Western white people. And yeah. I think it's, as you said, important to bring in that diversity of mm-hmm. voices because travel itself is all about learning from people that are not like yourself 
Awesome. I, I could talk to you all day. I know we have to wrap up, but let's just talk about I, I, philanthropic efforts because to those who are given the opportunity to have such a platform, I think it's so important to look beyond, you know, just what, yes, we help people travel, but like there's also a, a broader population of people that we need to be, um, you know, giving back to. And, and to those of us who have been given so much and the ability to see this world, which most people will never get a chance. So tell, tell me about your philanthropic efforts because I know you're so passionate about them. Yeah, we have a, a community charity called Flight, the Foundation for Learning and Youth Travel Education. Flight is less of a mouthful. <laughs> uh, but it um, gives grants out to uh, high school in the States. Um, so basically funds like an educational trip. So teachers apply and they are like, I want to take my science class to learn about the rainforest of uh, Costa Rica. And sort of we fund those trips uh, for communities that uh, have a lot of, you know, low income students and kids that are on like Title IX school lunches, you know, um, you know, just communities that just don't have the ability. How do you source these communities and like? So we have a, a board and they go through the applications and then there's like a final three and then we kind of vote on them. Um, I kind of go along with what the board wants uh, since they're more involved in the day-to-day. But, you know, the goal is to just get kids who, I mean, most of these kids don't have passports. Their parents don't have passports. One of the things you don't really think about, luggage, right? We we ran this trip uh, from these kids from Atlanta and they showed up with trash bags because they didn't have luggage. And you're like, oh yeah, like yeah. like you just think, yeah, you put your stuff in your luggage. Like I don't have yeah. luggage because I they've never been on a trip. Yeah. So we had to now get luggage for the kids if they don't have it. But you, you, you don't think of something that small for you because we've been so mm-hmm. privileged. Right. You know, like my parents have piles of suitcases they don't use. Um, and so little things like that go a long way. And, you know, these, we have a, a community, um, effort, like they have to give back in some way on their trips. So there's always like a volunteer aspect to every trip, uh, where they're meeting other local students and all these kids, you know, they're like, wow, I, I know about this. Um, you know, I, I think I have it bad and, and they sort of gain perspective. I mean, we had these kids, uh, from rural Montana real rural Montana, uh, go to Guatemala. And a lot of their parents didn't want them to, you know, go to Mexico mm-hmm. or, or were worried I mean, about I, them When I went to Guatemala Mexico. the first time, because if you look at the government, it says, oh, gang violence. And you get, then you go to actual Guatemala. You know, of course, there's going to be bad areas everywhere. And you realize how unbelievable Guatemala is. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. It, Amazing it, it's food. Incredible. It's incredible. Like such and, a shame that it gets, you know, people have this mindset of Central America is dangerous. Right. And, and these kids are coming from a really rural place in Montana who parents are, you know, and community are like, is that like Mexico? And there's, you know, coming, you know, there's all this violence and, and they, the kids go there and like, you know, it's not what you see on the news. Um, I, I realize I come from a real rough place, but then like you see people without running water and mm-hmm. they're like, wow. It gives a lot of perspective. And totally. now they come back and can tell their community, like, hey, what you see on the news it's not. is not what Guatemala is really like. Mm-hmm. And so doing a little bit. When people are trying to put up physical walls, I'm trying to knock mm-hmm. down them. That's amazing. On that note, 
we'd like to, at the points guide, we all, we believe in um, inspiring the world to travel because it makes us a better place and not everyone has points or the means. So we'd like to make a $5,000 donation to flight to what? help That's you on crazy. your efforts. So thank Whoa. you for being a leader in the space and thank leading you. by example. Um, and it really has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, well, thanks for having me. And thanks for you for your donation. We are about to announce our next school. Um, Actually, by the time this comes out, it will have be announced. So we're um, sending a, a group of students from outside of New Orleans to Puerto Rico. Amazing. Oh, we love Puerto Rico. Yeah. So they're going in July-ish, depending on yeah. coronavirus stuff. So they'll be going. We will be going. I, I know, you just said coronavirus, and I didn't even ask you. So, I know, you know. No one knows anything about coronavirus. We're going to end on a positive note, yeah. the, the great work that you're doing. Everyone, if you don't already, follow Nomadic Matt at Nomadic Matt on social, nomadicmatt.com. Buy his books by Matt Kepnes, which is K-E-P-N-E-S. Get it wherever you get books. And Matt, thanks for being a friend to the brand, but also to me personally. I really appreciate you spending time today. Well, thanks for having me. And I look forward to another 10 years of doing this with you i'm jet lagged just thinking about it <laughs> that's it for this episode of talking points i'm your host brian kelly huge thanks to our guest matt kepnis and to our podcast engineer today mary kate heaney you rock safe travels everyone ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.